You're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature. I'm extremely disappointed that we weren't able to get the job done today. We had our opportunity there late in that ball game, and uh, we didn't do it. So we're going to share in this defeat like we share in those victories, uh, and it hurts, and there's a finality to, to this when, when you don't get it done in the playoffs. That, that really hurts. So, uh, you know, I appreciate how our guys battled. They fought like they do every single week, and I uh, just wasn't enough uh, today. Now, here's your host, my dad, Thelonious7. Welcome to the end of the year dog summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious7. In this second annual dog summit, we will hear from eight of the best podcasters in Cleveland on six of the most pressing questions persisting throughout the dog pound. It's a veritable cornucopia of the best content and opinion to help you shape your well-founded beliefs about your Cleveland Browns. This discussion is scheduled for three episodes. This first episode will be a look back at the near past and a ponder on our defensive approach. Session two will be about the Browns brass and the identity the organization is looking to create. And the third show will be a look at what this team might look like after free agency in the draft. That's certainly a lot to process. So without any further ado, let's introduce the guests. Up first, we have Clee Rod B, otherwise known as Rod Bloom, who is a longtime fan and Browns community statesman. Could not imagine a discussion without him. Rod, welcome to Dogs by Nature Radio. Hello, Browns fans. This is Rod Bloom. I want to thank Thelonious7 for inviting me to participate in the end of year dog summit. You can find my work at Clee Rod B on Twitter, my podcast you can follow and catch the episodes at the Browns Blitz. Rod, great to have you here. We'll also hear from D from with an Ohio bias. Want to thank Thelonious 7 for the opportunity to talk about the Browns at the end of the year dog summit. You got D here from with an Ohio bias. You can find us at with an Ohio bias.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter, DG216WAOB. And I do follow back and love to go back and forth with any kind of sports fans, but definitely Browns fans. D is 100% Cleveland. His joy is contagious. So glad to have his tempered perspective in this discussion. And top of the morning, all the way across the pond, we have Neil Dunworth of the Cleveland Sports Collective. Greetings from Ireland. This is Neil Dunworth, an Irish Cleveland Browns fan. You can find me on Twitter at 2 Browns, And also you can find me at Cleveland Sports Collective as well. We do a small bit of our ramblings and murmurings on the Cleveland Sports Collective too. And I am delighted to have been asked to participate in the end of your dog summit. I'm really looking forward to giving some of my views. Neil, so glad you could join us. We're also pleased to be joined by Caitlin from Crunch Time with Caitlin. Hello, friends. It's Caitlin from Crunch Time with Caitlin. And I'm here to discuss the Cleveland Browns. For the record, she can be found at K-A-T-E-L-I-N-No-C-L-E on Twitter. And it couldn't be a true summit without Josh Thornton of the Danger Zone. What's up, guys? Josh from the Danger Zone here. Excited to be on the end of the year dog summit. It's always good to sit down and talk some Browns. Again, thanks for having me. Wouldn't have it any other way. Josh and his buddy Rick are an outstanding tag team. Listening to their show will have you ready to run through a brick wall. For the record, Josh can be found at Herb Twister on Twitter. The next seat at our table is reserved for Craig A. Fountain of the Browns table. 
Hello, my name is Craig Fountain. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm the co-host of the Ginger's Talk Football podcast covering the NFL and the host of the Browns Table, a live streamed roundtable discussion that any Browns fans can join. He can be found at Craig A. Fountain on Twitter. It's outstanding to hear from you. And then we have Eric Urbanowitz. Hi there, I'm Eric Urbanowitz from the Brownstown USA podcast powered by the Three Point Conversion. Fantastic to have you back in the studios. He can be found at Stosh Ball on Twitter. And last but certainly not least, we hear from our own Tom Moore. Hi, it's Tom Moore, part of the staff at Dogs by Nature. At Tom underscore Red Ride 88, efficient as always. So with the formalities aside, let's get into the second annual end of the year dog summit. We can't start this discussion without a debriefing of the Midwestern misery in Kansas City. After some reflection, what are you taking away from this game? Are you second-guessing some of the fourth-quarter decision-making? So we'll turn the floor over to Rod Bloom of the Browns Blitz Podcast. There are some things we can question. The Browns, yeah, they they, uh, wasted a couple timeouts. I could understand the challenge. I think uh, the Browns probably didn't get a good look at that catch by Tyreek Hill. So... Yeah, you know, maybe uh, maybe that was a wasted timeout. Uh, probably have a bigger problem with the one, uh, you know, that they that they had to take right after that by not being prepared. But I can't I can't blame this uh, this team, this organization for a couple little mistakes, you know, in a game like this. This game was a learning experience. Uh, the Browns had had a real shot, obviously. Uh, they did some really good things in this game, um, holding holding the Chiefs to, to 22 points. And I, and I know Mahomes was out for part of the game, but uh, you know that they still they still held the Chiefs somehow <laughs> somehow held the Chiefs um, you know down in scoring even in the first half, uh, which was which was pretty amazing. I don't know I I still don't know how they managed to do that, but. I really am not going to go back and dissect this. I think I just see this as a learning experience. I think Stefanski's learning from these things, and I don't have an issue with that. Um, my takeaways are that, uh, are that, yeah, I think uh, the team's going to be better for having faced the defending Super Bowl champions in the second round for the Browns of the playoffs, and this is going to help them in the future. Bloom taking the long view. So now let's hear from D with an Ohio bias and hear what he's taking away from that contest. The Browns weren't overmatched, and that's the, that, I think that gave me a little solace as, you know, the game did not turn out the way we wanted to against the, against Kansas City. But um, I think we did see the matchup problems that were there, especially when it came to our defense versus their offense. Um, I, I, I just think that my biggest takeaway is our lack of speed on defense and maybe some of the lack of depth. I mean, the play that sticks out is the third and 14 with Henny running for that first down. It was just infuriating. I'm not worried about Higgins and those other plays and things like that. I thought the Browns um, served themselves well, but we wanted to see them finish the job. And I think that's going to be the goal moving forward. So looking back, the season was a huge success. Enjoyed every minute of it, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows especially um, making Steelers cry. So, but yeah, you know, the, the KC game just didn't go our way. And, um, but it was a great season, 12 wins. D keeping things on the bright side. Q, 
curious to hear if Neil Dunworth was questioning the fourth quarter decision making. I'm caught a small bit between two stools with regards to to the to the question. Uh, I am second guessing some of the fourth quarter decision making, but I'm not sure whose decision making I'm questioning, whether it is Joe Wood's decision making or whether it's actually the, the execution of the players on the field. We all know our linebacker core has been, you know, severely average at best throughout the course of the year. Um, I, I don't know whether the whether the third and 14 run by Chad Henney, whether that is as a result of those getting scared, looking to cover Kelsey too much. Um, there was it, it, It's pretty clear at this stage that there was no spy put on anything out of the backfield there. Uh, any kind of trickeration that was going to happen, they probably put all their lot into stopping Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey, which had been the go-to plays, um, especially especially um, Hill. But uh, Kelsey had been quiet enough, and maybe that was the grandstand, uh, I suppose, opportunity to get Kelsey to ice the game. Uh, but it didn't happen, and Chad Henney in his 34, 35-year legs ran for 14 yards. And, and, and it was, you know, for me, that was the... That was really, really hard one to take, and it's going to stick with me for the next week or so. Um, who do I apportion blame to? And am I second-guessing some of the decisions? I, I still don't know, and it will take me some time to to try and figure out where I apportion blame on that one too. But, um, you know, so yes, I am second-guessing some of the decision-making. I just don't know whose decision-making I am second-guessing. Bro, I really wish I could unsee that third and 14 play. Curious to hear what Caitlin took away from this contest. Thinking about that game, it's just... It, it sucks that the Achilles heel for this Cleveland Browns team was their defense and them not being able to get off the field on third and fourth down. You know, the end of the year giving up, you know, a, like 27 out of 32 th- uh, fourth downs uh, this year. And it just, it just sucks. It just sucks that third and 14, you think you're going to get the ball back with a little bit over a minute left and you give up. 14, 13 and a half yards to Chad Henney on the ground. It, it's not even like that they lost. It's just like that's how they lost. You know what I mean? They they just didn't... They didn't give Baker a shot to get the ball back and, and potentially win the game. Now, there was a lot of missed opportunities on the offensive side. You know, the... the um, you know, Nick Chubb dropping a couple passes. Especially the one screenplay. It was like second and ten. They call a perfect screenplay that he, he could have went for a 50-yard touchdown. The Richard Higgins fumble at the one. Um, I, I can't blame him for that, though. You take a shot to the head. It's just it's just unfortunate that and frustrating, again, that no flag was called on that. The Browns didn't play well. And, you know, on their last possession, you know, Chad Henney throws a terrible interception, and they have a shot to take the lead, and they just don't execute. Caitlin, you're right. That was a fantastic opportunity, and Baker really never got a shot. That's why it's difficult for me to take. So next, we give the floor to Josh to the Danger Zone podcast to hear what he thinks about the fourth quarter decision making. You know, when it comes to analyzing play calls or any in-game decision making really it's easy to say we should have done this or that you know the whole hindsight thing i'd say the biggest thing i would go back and change right now is actually the tempo on that fourth quarter drive the one that uh, ended up being our last offensive drive right after the interception i felt like there was not enough urgency there 
I know ideally you'd like to take the whole, I think there was four and a half minutes on the clock, uh, chew that up and then score to put it away. You know, but scoring is the main key there. I mean, it's the only thing that matters in that instance. You're down five points. You need points. Uh, not to mention a hurry-up style offense can throw off the rhythm of a defense and likely improve the rhythm of your offense. So, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't fault Stefanski for the fourth and nine punt. I think shorter and you go for it for sure. Um, but if you don't convert that fourth down, now Kansas City has the ball on R32 and likely comes away with points, at least three, um, a good potential for six. I understand Henny was back there, but they still do have Hill and Kelsey. Uh, so they were still had the ability to make plays. So they come away with at least three, you know, potentially six, seven with an extra point, creating a bigger hole. So look, there were miscues throughout this game. Not a ton though, but there were some time clock management issues, a bad challenge, uh, a non-challenge, but that's okay. You know, the biggest thing that I take away from this loss is that, yes, we have some things to work on, but we took a leap this season, not just a step. We took a leap, and this team is much further ahead than we anticipated. So proud of this team. Stefanski, definitely the coach of the year. So, Craig, what do you think? What are your takeaways from this contest? When it comes to looking back at the divisional round playoff game versus the Chiefs, I identify with a lot of folks that are disappointed but not devastated. That's the best way I can put it. It was certainly a tough game to watch, but I'm grateful we made it as far into the postseason as we did. Now, the parts of the game I really struggled with would, of course, begin with Rashard Higgins' fumble that resulted in a touchback. Rules are rules, and it was a touchback. It was a fumble. That's not up for debate. But what upsets me is that these helmet-to-helmet hits should be reviewable, especially with the emphasis that the league puts on safety. Now, in the second half, I would have liked to have capitalized more on some of the opportunities we had, and I do believe that in this half we saw some growing pains from Stefanski. The failed challenge put us in a bind when we lost the timeout, and we lost another timeout that was completely unnecessary. With these timeouts, we may have been able to gain an additional possession, and of course, if we had been able to do that, we would have had an opportunity to win this game. Stefanski is the reason we're here in the first place. I mean, he took a 6-10 team to the playoffs. I think he needed to take a hit like this in order to take his game to the next level. There's no shame in getting gamed by Andy Reid in a high-stakes situation at his house. I'm sure that Stefanski will use this experience to make himself an unwelcome guest in his next opportunity. So now let's hear the takeaways from Eric Urbanowitz. After that heartbreaking loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, there's only one thing that I'm really taking away from it. And that is that we learned that this team, while better than last year, is still a work in progress. We have the coaching staff in place that we need going forward. Hell, in some cases, we could be losing one or two of them after next year because of head coaching searches. We have the key players that we need here. I mean, we have the key pieces such as a quarterback, as our running backs, as our wide receiver leader, and of course on defense, they're there. The only thing we really need to do is cement this whole team with the right role players. And you know what? If we can fill that out correctly and get the pieces that we need, this could be a Super Bowl winning team, or at least Super Bowl contending. I think the team's ahead of schedule. Let's hope for a good offseason. So now let's end this discussion with Tom Moore. Let's hear what he took away from that contest. 
The Browns' loss to the Kansas City Chiefs was disappointing because Cleveland had an opportunity to win and advance in the playoffs right there in front of them. But the Chiefs showed why they have been so dominant the past two seasons, and their speed highlighted for the Browns where they need to get stronger on defense in the upcoming offseason. Another decision to punt near the end of the fourth quarter has been criticized, and while generally with this Browns team, I would rather put the team's fate in the hands of the offense rather than the defense, I'm not sure it was necessarily the wrong call for that situation. The Chiefs offense was without starting quarterback Patrick Mahomes. The Browns defense came down to just being one play away from getting the ball back to the offense with a chance to win the game. But the bottom line is if you can't stop Chad Henney on third and 14, maybe that just means it's not your day. No question about that, Tom. So now that the discussion about the game is over, it's time for us to take stock of our current standing and have a look at the offseason. There's one more question before we do. I was very excited for the Joe Woods hire at the start of the year. But after that game, there have been calls for his dismissal. Are these calls fair? Do you link the Browns' struggle on defense to roster weakness or injury? Do you anticipate a stronger year two from Joe Woods and that unit? Let's start the discussion across the pond and hear from Neil from the Emerald Isles. I don't really agree with Joe with the calls for dismissal. And for two reasons. I don't think that anybody would disagree with the fact that when we came into this season, that we were, that our secondary was an area of concern and also our linebacker room. That's number one. Uh, You know, you can only play with the cards that you're dealt. And that isn't a criticism of Andrew Berry either, but I think that, I think the whole organization knows that this wasn't a push all their chips into the into the t- middle of the table situation this year, and that this was a fantastic building building block. Yes, we did have some season, some games this season where we couldn't stop teams. We had other games where we could, and we had other games where our defense defense came up big and goal line situations situations in the red zone, and we were able to stop teams late in games, and we were able to get victories. We're a twelve win team. I think stability is absolutely paramount. I don't think Joe Woods is a bad is is a bad coordinator. Also, next year I'm really looking forward to seeing what the secondary is what, what secondary he can amass together. Remember, he was the defensive backs and the passing game coordinator in San Francisco when they went to the Super Bowl. That's not news to anybody. And I think that Grant Delpit was a huge, huge, huge piece for this defense. Also, I think Greedy Williams would have been a huge, huge piece for this defense. Whether they would have played very well or not, I don't know. I think next year, if we do get Greedy back, I think we will see a high pick made on maybe two high picks made on the secondary. And I think getting Grant Delpit back is going to be huge here. I do anticipate a stronger year. Absolutely. Um, I do link the struggles of the roster and the roster weaknesses to injury. And also, I think I link it to not wanting to push all our chips into the table, which I can completely understand uh, for a team that has been, that, that, that we need to build the stability and build the foundation. We don't want to be a one, a one year flash in the pan. This Cleveland Browns team and the Cleveland fan base needs more than that. And do I anticipate a stronger year too? Absolutely. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most when the Browns come back. Wow. That almost sounded like a vote of confidence for Joe Woods. Let's hear from D from with an Ohio bias. When it comes to Joe Woods, I think he did a good job, but it's hard to evaluate a guy with an arm tied behind his back. You know, we just kind of lacked a little depth defensively and our guys weren't as fast. So you've kind of seen the matchup problems. 
Um, I think the thing that would be huge to evaluate Joe Woods, I want him to come back, I think, asking for him to be fired is a little crazy considering the team won 12 games, despite how you feel about how he coached the defense. We saw some guys develop. We saw some guys who, like, you know, don't have all the athletic skill or might be limited in some ways play out of their minds. So clearly they were in good positions. They had games where they had multiple takeaways and guys played hard. But we know we saw the matchup problems, like I kind of like pointed to in my last answer. We saw the matchup problems. So I think defensive flexibility is is due to the lack of depth. And once we increase that depth, hopefully this offseason, and hopefully getting back some of the guys that we have on the roster that were hurt, Grant Delpit, um, Greedy Williams, you know, they can help. And then, you know, Harrison was a huge addition this year. So seeing what we have, a full contents and maybe adding some things, you got to hope that the defense will be better. And so that will make Joe Woods look better. Yeah, this offseason's critical. Hopefully they'll use some resources on linebacking. So now I'm definitely wondering if Rod Bloom is going to want to see Joe Woods held accountable. Joe Woods, I think people don't like his style of defense. I think they don't like what he did with with the team where uh, where he kind of let the opponents kind of uh, hang hang in there or maybe get back into games. But you know what? It worked most of the time. Uh, you know, people want, probably wanted to keep the foot on the gas like in the Titans game, for example. You know what? The Browns the Browns got a win. That game was never in jeopardy. So to, to look at yardage and points that were given up in the second half of that game is really meaningless. It's the style of defense that was played. You have to realize that, and uh, I think everybody knows, that the defense really hasn't been addressed much yet. And there were a lot of guys, um, several guys who weren't able to play this year, missed time. So Joe Woods was doing his best with what he had. The defense will be addressed in this offseason. So, I think people who are calling for Joe Wood's job are the same kind of people who are calling for Baker's job maybe back to the beginning of this year. Let's give the guy a chance to work with with you know a full a full you know a full deck of cards and see what he can actually do. Uh, just because the Browns lost a football game at the end of the season, you know what? There's only one team in this tournament who's going to not end with a loss. We don't need a head on a platter just because the Browns lost a football game. Okay, We should be past this. We need to give him a shot. And you know what? He did some really good things this year, uh, especially when you consider the pieces that he had to work with. Rod, I don't know if I buy that. This is a crazy year in the NFL. No one had all their pieces. I think what it comes down to is, did you put your team in the best position to win? He certainly earned another year. They played winning football, and he turned the ball over for him. But after that performance, I think he's going to have to earn back trust from Coach Stefanski. Let's hear from Tom Moore on Joe Woods. Just like any other coach, defensive coordinator Joe Woods deserves criticism for some of the play calling this season. I really could do without seeing Miles Garrett or Olivier Vernon 20 yards down the field in pass coverage, but the idea of getting rid of Woods after one season should be a non-starter. Woods was working from a shorthand all season due to injuries and COVID, which forced several players to be on the field far more than you would normally want. That in turn forced the Browns to focus on forcing turnovers, which they were very good at, keeping the play in front of them, which they were pretty good at, and making the tackle to stop a big play, which they were really not very good at. 
This offseason, if you can get some additional help at all three levels of the defense, hope that players like Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams can return to health, then let's see what Woods can do with a better situation in 2021. The good part news in all this is that the Browns do not have to build a dominant defense, as much fun as that would be to think about, but really they just need to build an average defense, which should be good enough to win given how talented the offense is. You make a good point about the goal of this defense, and maybe they're not as far away as a lot of people think. So now let's hear from Eric Urbanowitz from the Brownstown USA podcast. You know, I don't understand personally the calls for dismissal for Joe Woods. I mean, they're fair, and I can understand them to an extent. However, I don't think you can fire a coach after one year unless you get rid of the whole staff. I do think that this year and all of the people calling for his head should serve as a warning. There's been constant communication issues. There's been linebackers who have just really taken a step back, such as Mac Wilson... Um, the defensive line was inconsistent at times. Like, you'd get Miles Garrett having a game, but nobody else would show up. You'd have Vernon having himself a game. No one would show up. You'd have Sheldon Richardson having a great game. Nobody showed up. And, you know, we can't have that. But, you know, at the same time, I do think injuries also played a part, as well as just COVID in general. So, I'm willing to give him a pass on that regard. However... I do think next year we should expect more, and if he doesn't step it up a bit, I do think that we will see a change. So expect more, but we'll see. Yeah, expect more and see. That's pretty much where I am on this one. And now to Josh in the danger zone. Defensively, it's been not good uh, for pretty much the whole season. You know, they played opportunistic at times, but overall just didn't have much talent to work with. Um, and the talent they did have didn't see 16 games. I mean, you saw missed time to COVID and injury. So it's really unfortunate that we couldn't make a couple more plays to get Chad Henney off the field uh, in that divisional round. You know, I don't I don't think the calls to fire Woods are fair yet. This offseason is surely set to be defensive-centric, so with a beefed-up roster and another season within um, Woods' defensive system, there's no reason that this unit shouldn't make strides next year. If they don't, Woods will be replaced. I mean, that's my feeling on it. Um, Look, we can't afford to waste seasons trying to get a guy the perfect roster to execute his his system. So, you know, we're... in my eyes, we are competing for a Super Bowl next year. So the defense definitely needs to help out to make that happen. It certainly wasn't a championship defense this year. We'll see what they can do in the offseason. You're listening to the second annual end of the year dog summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious7. Big thanks to all eight of our guests. Their details will be in the show notes. Appreciate them taking their time to share with us here on Dogs by Nature Radio. Before we sign off for part one, we need to hear from Craig A. Fountain and Caitlin on the much maligned Browns defensive coordinator. We'll start with Craig. Sir, what do you have for us? Looking back on the season as a whole, it's tough to figure out what we have on defense. Between the injuries that started with Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams and then Denzel Ward and Olivier Vernon being limited throughout the year, Andrew Billings opting out, Miles Garrett missing time due to COVID and then struggling once he came back. The pieces are really difficult to put together. I will say that Joe Woods certainly does not deserve a dismissal. 
I really truly believe that this defense would have been in much better shape had we been able to utilize all of our guys. Additionally, the focus in the last offseason personnel-wise was on the offense. We have a ton of guys on one-year deals on the defense and some have proved they belong, while others are more questionable based on their productivity. I remain confident that Joe Woods belongs here and I think we can come back stronger in year two. My main interest in this offseason is seeing what Andrew Barry can do to strengthen our defensive personnel. Another vote of confidence for Joe Woods. And now we'll wrap things up with Caitlin. Um, talking about the defense, Joe Woods. Now, I was a proponent of potentially getting rid of him. Um, like I said, historically awful defense, you know, convert, letting your opponent convert that, you know, at that rate on fourth down. Um, it's either the only times they ever got stops were turnovers and missed kicks. You know, there was there was a few games this year where I, I don't even think they, the the opposing teams punted. It was either like the Browns just got turnovers or they gave up scores. Um, you know, Chad Henney converting on third and long. Uh, Trace McSorley did on Monday Night Football when he came in for Lamar. You know, Mike Lennon throwing the ball all, all over the place. You know, I, I understand this defense was banged up. But it, it really comes down to two things. One was, is, is Joe Wood's scheme that bad? Or, and that, or you know, he couldn't adjust to, you know, the, the players that they did have? I mean, you had 23 out there for weeks over Ronnie Harrison. It's, it's tough to fix an entire team in one offseason. And I think this year they'll kind of go heavy on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, you, you, you can't go into next year fixing, you know, f- fixing this defense with fix-a-flat and Mickey Mouse Band-Aids. You, you just can't have it. You cannot have it. The, the expectations for this team next year um, is they're big. And if you're going to have lofty goals for next year, you can't have your defense, you know, bring you down and be a liability for you. It's an excellent point to end the show on, Caitlin. <laughs> and with that, we'll put this one in the books. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to make Dogs by Nature Radio a part of your day. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to part one of the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious7, on Dogs by Nature Radio. Back with part two in a couple of days. Take care and go Browns.